Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. It's Thursday, February 11th. It's 11.30 a.m. Central Time, and we're live out of a sunny, yay, sunny Chicago. Typically, we meet with our guest, Ellen Rogan, on the first Thursday of the month. We had a few conflicts last week, so we postponed it a week. So Ellen will join us in just a few moments. We're going to talk about how to fight the panic when you don't have enough. Oh, my gosh. And I think the panic is what really sucks up whatever left we have. (laughs) So we go from not having enough to not having anything when we're in a full-blown panic. So Alan will help us fight the panic. A couple quick updates for you. Our contest, A Caregiving Voice, closes tonight, midnight. So you can cast a vote for the performer who closes our National Caregiving Conference on November 11th. We have three contestants. They are former family caregivers or family caregivers, and they're going to sing our closing song, and you get to pick which one. So just go to caregiving.com, look for the headline that says vote, look for the image that says vote, click on that, and then cast your vote for your favorite. Again, voting closes tonight at midnight. We're really working hard on the second annual National Caregiving Conference. So we've got a lot of things working on in the background that I'll tell you about as soon as it's all finalized. But I'll just give you a couple teasers and I'll let you know as soon as it's all confirmed. We are looking at having some respite care on site at the conference this year. I'll keep you posted on that, let you know when it's finalized. And we're working on our pitch contest for this year. So last year, if you remember, we did a pitch contest where we had companies who are designing technology for you come to the conference and you picked your favorite technology. We're partnering with Aging 2.0, which we also partnered with last year. And we're starting to work on that. So look for some announcements starting in the next month or so about those two things. Please keep your fingers crossed with the rest part. (laughs) I'm working with an organization that I think it's going to work out really well. So I'll keep you posted on that. We know that that is a priority. It was something that I knew was a priority when I decided to do the conference, but it was just too much for me to figure out last year, our first year, how to make it happen in a way that worked for you. So I think I figured it out for this year, so I'll keep you posted. And tomorrow I'll announce the winner of our Caregiving Voice Contest. So you can stop by caregiving.com and see who won. Okay, so I think those are the updates for you. So joining me this morning is Ellen Rogan. I call her our wealthness expert. And she's the author of a New York Times bestseller called Picture Your Prosperity. So good morning, Ellen. Thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, Denise. So happy to be here. And I'm just thinking, like, I am so um, inspired by the people that are trying to be the singers for your closing ceremony, uh, because that, in maybe in another life, that would be me. But that would not <laughs> be something that I would be up for, unless you wanted people never to come back. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> if that's what you're looking home. for at some point, I'm happy to be your closing singer. <laughs> okay. So instead of like dimming the lights, we'll have you sing. And that right. means everybody will be, oh my gosh, I'm leaving. Don't worry. I'm never coming back. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I can't sing either. But I so admire people who can. Yeah. And I just thought it would be. So when I think about our conference, one of the things that I think is important about it is that we create opportunities for family caregivers. Oftentimes they feel like opportunities are passing them by. Mm. The caregiving responsibility is so intense and so, I want to say never ending, but it's just, it's constant. I guess that would be a better way to say it. So you feel like you have to put other things on hold. And so I hope the conference is a way for people to feel like, ah, take it off hold. Nice. Yeah. So anyway. All right. So we're talking about moving away from panic and into a plan. So I guess, I guess let's just talk about panic for a moment because I think it's good for us to understand what happens that puts us into a panic. And I think it's not that we are – the reality of a situation is that there's not enough. And so we can feel like I'll never have enough there never will be enough, I'm screwed because there's not enough, and then that just starts the panic. We go from never to, oh, my heavens, I'm jumping off the cliff. It's just going to get worse from here. And so we can't find a way to keep going. So our palms sweat, the heart races, we're in a full-blown panic. And so what happens with the panic then is things get worse, right? So we make a bad decision. We don't make a decision. The panic can actually make a situation worse. So how do we work through that? Yeah, a couple things um, about this, and then we move into how to, um, how to move through this situation, this feeling of panic. Um, one of the things you said was the reality of the situation is there's not enough. That may or may not be the reality. That's what it feels like, right? So, and it can feel like that even if there is enough. Yeah. So, I one oh, of the first things right. is to really yes. check in: is that truly the reality? Sometimes it is, and sometimes it's a perceived reality and not an actual. I mean, there's people that too over the years that feel poor, feel like there's not enough, panic, there's not enough, act like they have nothing, and they have millions of dollars. So it's not um, that feeling of panic doesn't always correlate to what's really happening. And another point about this that's really to to say why it's so important what you're saying, there's this feeling of panic and we can't make good decisions. There's been studies that have been done on this, on scarcity, when there actually is really scarcity and people's backs are up against the wall and it's a very difficult financial situation and that feeling of panic can actually lower your IQ so that you're really unable to make a smart decision. So being able to deal with the panic is crucial even if the reality is that there isn't enough money or clearly if there's if that's not the reality then you want to deal with it so you feel better and you can make better decisions. Yeah, wow, what an important point. So we don't want to make a poor decision during a time when a good decision is even more critical. Oh, for sure. 
Yeah, and there's a, you know part of the study was looking at why people take payday loans and how they can't get out of that situation because yeah. they don't yeah. make sense. It's a very high interest rate, but once they get into that cycle and they're worried, it's really hard to get out of that cycle of panic and making bad financial decisions. You know, and I think it feels like that's the only option for me. Right. And that's that's part of the scarcity. So sometimes, so what's interesting is that the scarcity really could become, so if we really break it down, the scarcity is in our belief about the options available to us. It's part of the scarcity, and sometimes the scarcity is in the belief that there's not enough or there's only one, yeah, like you said, there's only one solution because I think you get so focused on that that you can't see, even if there's like some other really fabulous solution, um, because you're only focused on one bad solution, that it's almost impossible to even see the other ones. Right, yes, yeah. Okay, so we want to avoid the panic because we can see that the true problem is the panic. Yeah, because it feels, okay, we make, it, it forces you um, into a situation where you're not making good decisions, and it feels bad. Like even just saying this word over and over, panic, is making you oh, feel I a know, little panicky, <laughs> right? <laughs> it just feels bad. Yes, I'm in a panic. Yeah, I agree. So um, it's very interesting that we're having this conversation today because this morning I was writing a blog post that I'll put out shortly about um, tools for meditation. And I actually believe that meditation is a sound financial strategy, which isn't ever typically talked about as a financial strategy. But what's been proven over and over is that having some type of meditation or contemplative practice reduces your stress levels, allows you to think more clearly, um, helps you tap into your own good intentions and your um, intuition and your ability to see things more clearly. Uh, Besides, it helps your health and all sorts of other benefits for it. So it is for all the reasons that we're talking about right now that having a meditation practice can be so helpful for you making good financial decisions, especially, always, but especially when your back is up against the wall, when there really is some type of financial um, crisis or issue or um, pressure that you're facing. So I have some um, tools. I was specifically writing about apps that are available right now um, that I think are really cool and can help with this. So here's something that I just, for whatever reason, the bell is ringing for me today on this. (laughs) And I know this, but I hadn't thought about meditation in this way. So, for instance, I want to be active throughout the rest of my life. And I know that there's some things that just are not going to be possible for me as my body ages. So I started swimming laps because I know I'm going to be able to swim laps until I'm 90. At least. And so that's why, yeah, exactly. So that's why I made that transition. I want to learn it now so it stays with me forever. I want to choose healthy foods now so I choose healthy foods regardless of what's happening. And so meditation is that same 
good daily habit that helps us regardless of what's going on in our life. For sure. Yeah, my mom, when I started meditating, my mom took a course with with me, and she, how old was she? I don't know, maybe late 70s when she started meditating. Yeah, and, and as she was um, aging and her health was declining, if she was feeling nervous about things, we could always go back and say, Mom, have you been meditating? Should I come over and meditate with you? And it was really a wonderful tool, especially when you feel like there's not much else you can do. Yes, <laughs> about right, exactly. A situation. Yeah. Yes, and I think the key is to meditate on a, to learn to meditate when it's good. Because I think it's hard to learn something like that when it's bad. <laughs> right, it's harder. Right? Yeah. But they right, found, you know, meditation right. has helped, like, people coming back with, from war with PTSD and kids in very um, kind of dangerous situations where they live. So it doesn't mean that if things are in a really difficult, pressured situation that there's not benefits. You probably would see them more quickly. It's just you have to have maybe more support. True. Gold, yeah, Goldie Hawn has done a lot of work with meditation and kids. Mm. Especially kids that are in a um, a needy community mm-hmm. to help them manage all that trauma and stress. Yeah. Right? Isn't that interesting? So if we think yeah. about it from that way, this is this is the technique that helps us and caregiving is full of trauma. There are things that you witness and see that just stay with you. They just kind of dent your spirit at times. And to have this daily practice that, in essence, heals you can be, and it doesn't cost you any money, can be quite powerful. And it's something you can do if you have a minute or if you have longer. Right. Yes. So you don't need any special equipment. You don't need no. to go somewhere. It's just something that you keep that you can use. Right. So people often ask me, like, well, how do you meditate or what kind of meditation? And I like to make the analogy it's like exercise. There's a lot of different ways to meditate. And part of it is finding the one that works for you um, and the tools that help. Um, when I started, I, I do transcendental meditation. I've taken courses. And for me, that was a great way to start because I had a teacher and I had some discipline at the beginning so I could make it a habit. But that was also before there were these really free or super inexpensive tools that you can get online or on your phone that can help in this process as well. So you can have a community and you can have guided meditations and really teachers um, that can help you online to help you get into this practice without even having to go anywhere. So could I ask you if there's a difference between a visualization and a meditation? Are they similar? Are they a different type of meditation? Is there a difference? Yeah, I would say I'm not an expert on this, but I would say it's just a different type. So like some of the, um, there's guided meditations. So that's where someone's talking to you and they might be walking you through um, an imaginary scene in your mind, your water, it's calm, or, you know, those types, you feel the breeze on your face, those types of things. And um, what that 
does is have you be focusing on what they're saying. It gives you something to focus on. They're putting you in a quiet, um, calm place so you can visualize that, and there's some real calming benefits to that. Um, there's a type of meditation called mindfulness, which is, I think, the easiest way for me to understand it is it's really just noticing. So I can sit anywhere and just notice. Like, oh, what do I notice now? Being as present as possible and noticing my, I'm sitting on the chair and I'm noticing my feet on the ground. I'm noticing um, this weird sound outside my window. I don't really know what that is. You know, so just noticing. Um, some, Some types of meditation have you focusing on your breath. It's really hard to just think about nothing. It's like almost impossible, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So focusing on your breath gives you something to put your attention on. And breathing also has benefits. It oxygenates your brain and calms your nervous system down. When you slow your breath, it's you're telling your nervous system, everything must be okay because that's why I'm breathing slowly. Because, you, you mm-hmm. know, how do you breathe when you're stressed out? Well, <gasps> yeah. right. You're, you're shallow, quickly. So uh, your body can yeah. interpret that like, oh, things are fine. That's why I'm breathing slowly. Oh. Um, I just got this hmm. app last week from, as a recommendation from someone I know. It's called Breathe to Relax. It was free or else it wasn't very much money. And what it does is it's got this ability. You kind of notice your stress level before you start and you rank it. And then they have this, um, it's almost like if you picture like one of those pumps when you're getting your blood pressure taken. So as you breathe in this, you see this tube with the the breath going up. And as you exhale, it goes down and it's timed. You can can make it longer or shorter. But um, you follow your breath along with this tube that's filling and you exhale when the tube's decreasing so it gives me something to look at it gives me a way to time my breaths in a very slow way and um it's kind of fun right like can i breathe that slowly uh and so there's there's all sorts of cool ways that you can start this practice and give you whatever kind of tools you need but you can also just follow your breath by counting you know inhale to the count of four, hold your breath to the count of four, and exhale to the count of six. And doing that several times with just that will in itself make you feel more calm. I read a book a few years ago, a few years ago called The Power of Receiving. The author is Amanda Owens, I believe. And she had a series of breathing exercises in the back of her book. And she encouraged you to, to pick a word that you would breathe in whatever you wanted. That's what you would breathe in and what you didn't want, you would breathe out. And I've used that for different meditations or visualizations I've created for my webinars. And I have found that to be so helpful. So if I breathe in relaxation, I breathe out stress. Or if I breathe in possibilities, I breathe out worry. So it's always trying to find the word for what you want, and the word for what you want to release. You don't. You want to let it go. You don't want to keep it anymore. I you know what you could helpful. add to that, which is interesting, because just doing that, I feel calmer. So you've done the breath, which is a physical thing. You've said the word, which is kind of auditory. You could even picture in, like, 
I'm breathing in relaxation and picture white light coming in, and I'm breathing out stress and picture yourself blowing out like black smoke. Yeah, right, really getting it out there, right. So then you've got three. You've got the the physical thing, you've got the hearing of the word, and then you've got the visualization of the the white light and the black smoke coming out. Yeah, and I, I, I just think these are so powerful to take you out of that moment of panic. Yeah, and the more you do it, like I, I um, unconsciously now, when I'm starting to feel stressed, I feel it in my solar plexus and my belly. When I feel that, I start to take really deep breaths. And I don't even think about it anymore, but it's from all these years of realizing how important that is to me. And um, I will say when I'm in periods of higher stress or if there's like a problem in the office or and usually a problem I can't see my way out of, that, that, or that I don't like the solution that's the obvious solution, um, I up my meditation. And invariably I found solutions that were not obvious at first and things get settled where it feels good for everyone involved. So, you know, we, we, I believe yeah. we have the right answers. We just can't always hear them. Right, because the panic is what stops the answer. Yeah, and I think what tends to happen, Denise, is when people are feeling stress, they turn to things that numb that stress, like social media or food or the mm-hmm. news or TV or something. But yeah. it just that doesn't make you feel calm for me, at least. And I think for most people, it doesn't make you feel more calm. It just aggravates just stress in a different way. Yeah, I agree. That food, social media. It could be, you know, a third glass of wine, something that you feel like numbs it, but that doesn't help you cope with it. Right. And I like the idea that we're not trying to minimize what we're feeling. We're dealing with the fact that we're in a stressful situation. We're recognizing the stress. And then we're just looking to, okay, so what can I do about this? Right. So, yeah, what's great about that is we're coping with it. We're not denying it. We're not minimizing it. We're not running from it. You know, and then it's it's not like you're even, like when I have an issue, it's not like I'm meditating on how do I solve this problem, but what I find is when I get quiet, all of a sudden a thought will come up or a person I should call or a, and I just listen to that. Like, oh, I haven't thought about that person in a long time. Maybe I need to pick up the phone and call them send them an email, and just noticing that more. And, in, and it, through experience, I find that it gives me the solution I'm looking for. Yeah, or you know what else is so interesting? You think of that person, and they reach out to you first. I know. Well, I, that happens all the time. And then when yeah. it happens with clients, I'm like, darn, why didn't I call them first? I want them to go. I was just thinking about you. <laughs> <laughs> and it always happens like if yeah. someone's on my mind I'm like okay I got to reach out I got to reach out and if I don't do it invariably they end up calling me so um, yeah it's fun to notice that right when those things happen isn't that crazy that that does happen though yeah there's um, 
I think it was Jen Weigel, who I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's a, like a oh, Chicago. Oh, sure, yeah. 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 So, yeah. so Jen talks about in her book keeping a um, coincidence journal. And that when these things happen, when you when you notice them, um, the more you notice them, the more they start to happen. Because, like, you're just realizing that maybe they're not coincidences. Maybe there's something more connected at work, but it's just fun and it makes you feel, for me, it makes me feel like there's so much at play that I can't even always notice. Um, and I love um, recording those and noticing how that happens and how cool that is. Why well, I think that's so important is that it reminds us that we have help. So even if it's not a help that we can explain or feel or call by name, it's there for us. And it is helping us, so why not tap into it? Trust it, I guess, would be and, another and way to say it. And you can ask for it, too. Oh, yeah, ask for it. Ask for it, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. It's it's um, And maybe it's just a message. Like, even if you hear the same name of a book from three different people, so if, if, like, later today someone says, oh, have you heard of the book of the power of receiving? I'm like, okay, apparently I'm supposed to go get this book. <laughs> and they, we know that happens, too, or a TV show we should watch or something. It's really honoring that is a little wink that's coming from somewhere else. Yeah, so there are answers all around us. It's just that sometimes we are screaming with our panic so loudly that we can't hear them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Denise, can I give a couple resources that might be helpful for people that are like, yeah, I want to start meditating. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. There's some really either free or inexpensive apps that you can get. My The one I've been using for years is called Insight Timer. And they have guided meditations. They have just a timer. So if I'm um, counting my breath or the kind of meditation I do is more mantra-based, so I have a mantra I say over and over, and so it just times. I do it for 20 minutes at least once a day. And so it lets me know when 20 minutes are up with a very calm, like, chime. Um, And at night I've been using it. They have a guided meditation, one called Yoga Nidra, that I've never heard the whole thing because I'm sound asleep before it finishes. Oh, and, that's a, for sleeping. Yeah, oh. And, it, and sometimes when I wake up in the middle of the night, that's when all this worry for me gets the worst. It seems like so much bigger if I can't sleep. So I'll turn yeah. back on the um, the guided meditation to just help me calmly go back to sleep so I'm not spinning for me, and I think other people as well. And that they have a free version. They have one. I think the most expensive version is only $3, so it's not like a big deal to get this right on your phone. Um, I've had people tell me that they've used Calm, C-A-L-M. It's a little bit more expensive once you get the subscription, but when you think about things, um, and they have um, a great way for people to get started on meditating. It's it's about $60 a year to get their whole full-blown version. You can try it for free. But $60 a year for, you know, five bucks a month for feeling good and calm and compared to taking a meditation class is really nothing. Um, you know, when you compare it to what else you could get out there. And then I mentioned breathe to relax. That's the number two. And this other one I haven't really used yet, but it's cool. And I'm going to start to practice with this more. It's called heart rate 
plus, like the plus sign, coherence. And the way it works is you can track your breath, but you put your thumb over the camera and it can track your heartbeat. Isn't that cool? Like, I don't really mm. know how that works. Wow. But you can notice wow. to try to like slow your heart rate down and um, coordinate that with your breath. So again, it gives you lots of things to focus on and to work towards and to um, so the and and the end result is you will feel more calm. Okay, these are awesome. So I'm going to include these resources in the podcast recap on caregiving.com. And if you are a listener and you have your own resources that you'd like to add, please do that as well. Okay, so we've got just a little over a minute left. So Ellen, for our listeners who'd like to be in touch with you, what's your website address? It's ellenrogan.com. That's E-L-L-E-N-R-O-G-I-N.com. And if they go to ellenrogan.com forward slash goodies, there's some goodies there for you. Resources on creating more abundance in your life. I think there's even a meditation on there for you. So um, check that out. I'd love to be in touch. Thank you, Ellen, so much. Always great to connect. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, so much for listening. I'm Denise Brown. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we always love to know. Take care. Bye-bye.